Hello, welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. Very special episode today. This is our 100th episode. My name is Adam. Wait, with me today. Yeah. Doing 100 of these? We've done 100 of these. Wow. Yep. Wow. With me today, we have Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm okay. And we a lot also of have. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. We also have Ernie joining us today. How are you, Ernie? I'm doing good. Uh, today we'll be going over our top 10 films of 2013, as well as our bottom 10s and some of uh, the movies that we're most excited for for 2014. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the last 100 episodes. It's been an absolute joy to do this every week. I was just telling Kevin, this is like yeah. the most I laugh out of every week when we do this and Ryan's stuff. It's just <laughs> it's so much fun. And I want to thank... You guys, Kevin and Ernie, for doing this every week, making no money whatsoever, by the way. This is truly a labor of love. Well, I, 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 balanced it out with, I balanced it out with my flakiness, so I think we're even. <laughs> well, let's just uh, let's hop right in. Today, we're not going to be doing any of the what we've been watching or any of that. We're just going to jump right into... And you our... know what? Mm-hmm. I actually made a like valiant effort this week to watch like more mainstream movies so i had stuff to talk about well we could just save it for next week we'll just talk, we'll just talk about it next week because i think yeah, we're there's, gonna... there's really nothing opening for the next couple yeah weeks. exactly <laughs> yeah so, that's true like for the next couple weeks i think we maybe just like we'll review some of the other stuff that we didn't get to you know some of the big awards stuff well and i'm sure we're gonna have an episode about oscar nominations yeah yeah so yeah the uh, globes are next sunday i believe yeah so we got plenty of stuff to to come up during this the dry spell of the beginning of the year uh let's just jump right into the top tens i guess we'll just kind of go around and start with number 10 we'll do it that way okay were there any let's just do the top tens and we'll do some honorable mentions and then talk about some of the worst of the year and then just end it off with some most anticipated. Sound good? Yeah, sure. Still for me. Okay. Ernie, why don't you start us off? What was your number 10 movie of the year? Uh, my number 10 movie of the year was uh, Spike Jones' Her. Mm. Um, mm. It was just like, it's kind of a kind of movie that just washes over you, like uh, as a uh, romance, science fiction uh, commentary on society. Um, it was really for. My top ten. This is like my last. The top. My top nine were easy to fill, but my last spot. I was like, I had to pick one movie out of like twenty movies that would have. Yeah. And it's like, and I just kept thinking, it's like, her was really, really good. And it's like I was thinking, it's like, well, this one resonated more with me than all the other ones. For the others, might be just action movies or whatnot, but this one really had something to say. You brought up a good point. I I had an insanely hard time with this mm-hmm. list this year, and really mm-hmm. like. The top twenty that I have are pretty much interchangeable. Like, I, there were so many good movies this year. I had just a really, really hard, and I had an even harder time numbering them. So, pretty much my whole top ten, you could just switch around in yeah. any way, which uh, I've been doing for like the last like three or four days. Oh yeah, and you know, you every, know, <laughs> every single time I look at it, I'm like, no, that's not right. Yeah, and I had to re-switch <laughs> it. I'm looking at it right now. And I don't agree with it, but I just don't feel like changing it. I was switching it out even right before we started recording. So 
I'm, I'm the same way. <laughs> Plus, I was the same. I had like 23 movies tied at the 10 spot. Yeah. And the, I think I, I think I had her out of the top ten, but then I came across something that I saw that I totally forgot I saw, and it was like I gave it a high rating. I'm like, okay, that's going to be top ten. I'm like, and then I'm thinking, no, <laughs> I think I'll put her back in. <laughs> and then oh, also, I wanted to we mention, didn't get to see that. Yeah, see, we didn't. Kevin and I didn't see her. We didn't see Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, another big one that i didn't see was short term 12 i don't know if that would have made it on my list but i think her and inside lewin davis probably would make it on my list but i didn't see those so i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure her would have made it on my list i'm yeah i'm almost certain i think i saw every other big movie though so all right kevin what was your number 10 um uh, my number 10 was post tenebrous lux okay and carlos regadas it was a which, it was an interesting was, interesting like, movie. Yeah, because like halfway point of the year, that was like towards the top, and then I pretty much went through the same thing that Ernie was just discussing, trying to pick a ten. But you could easily replace that number ten with a number of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did get to see that one. I remember I was going to go see it at AFI a couple years ago. And I was in line. I had tickets, but. <laughs> somehow the screening started late and if i waited that would totally throw off the entire evening so i had to skip it <laughs> i saw that at the sarasota film festival and uh i enjoyed it but it was there were so many walkouts of that movie it was, it was i hilarious. can imagine it was hilarious i could definitely imagine it's just it's it's uh it's definitely a film that's like right up my alley oh yeah ambiguity visual Oh, I think I'm I remember. All about visuals. I think I called you after I saw it when I was at Sarasota, and I was just like, "You're gonna love it. You're gonna love that yeah, movie." Yeah, I mean, the whole opening of that film is probably like the nicest. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Piece of cinema from this year. Fantastic. I love that opening. Um, my number ten is the Dirties, and this is a this is a small like found footage indie. It premiered at Slam Dance, and that's another one I saw at Sarasota and. I just I love this movie and I think it could it could go much higher on my list but it just ended up at number 10 but definitely recommend checking out the dirties uh very see I always kind of rail against found footage because I feel like I have to watch so much found footage (laughs) yes is that that the one about the uh the students who were like the school plotting out a plotting out a shooting yeah yeah it's it's fantastic the way that it's made it's just so expertly done and it's got a lot of layers to it it's a very uh meta film i guess you could say where we're watching the movie and then they're watching it and editing it in real time and it's it's just really crazy when you break it down and i thought it was incredible it was one of the very few found footage movies that they actually address some of the issues that are in found footage movies, like like uh, like microphones, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, like in found footage movies, a lot of times you're like, oh, how can we hear them? Like, is there a, do they have a mic attached to them? And it's just small things like that that they really do well with in the dirties. And it's really funny, too. So definitely recommend that. Ernie, what's your number nine? Number nine is a uh, foreign film from Saudi Arabia called Wajda. Uh, saw this at AFI this year, and it was definitely one of the best feel-good movies. It's a real simple story about a girl uh, 
who basically wants to uh, raise money to buy herself a bike. But because this is in Saudi Arabia and women and children that are like, they have restrictions on them. They shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. But, and she just wants to be a kid. She wants a bike. And then she just goes through a lot of things that are just like so smart and funny to get the bike if she can. And um, it's just considering the context of the, the restrictions of the, uh, of the culture and the fact that it was directed by a woman, which is unheard of in Saudi Arabia, and, um, and actually being shot in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. which again is unheard of, and uh, just how they got the movie made. But it's just uh, as a coming-of-age film, uh, just a well, look at a culture and society that you really never get to see. It was just a, like a really nice surprise to see at the fest. It was like, just a real feel-good movie. So. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I do plan on watching yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do want to see this. Is this the film where um, like the director had to like hide in the van? In the van, yeah. But, yeah like, as they were going around? Yeah, all the, the crew was out there doing their stand. She had to call the shots from a walkie-talkie. <laughs> it's wow. crazy. That's just so. crazy. Watched it. Kevin, what's your number nine? My number nine is uh, Woody Allen's uh, Blue Jasmine. Okay, a little bit higher mm-hmm. on my list. Which I really enjoy. That that, that's the one I'm kicking myself for not seeing yet. So. Oh yeah, you'll you'll definitely like that one. It is it's quite good. Unfortunately for me, the the later one this year, which we actually talked about it last uh, last week, I saw um, uh, Streetcar Named Desire, and then like as I'm watching Streetcar Named Desire, I'm like, oh okay, so Woody Allen just redid this movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it it's dropped a little bit for me because of that, but still a solid movie. Yeah, I and thought it, it the was... first the first time I've ever like appreciated. Andrew Dice Clay. Oh yeah, he was great. Yeah. To actually like him in something, I mean that's a that's a feat right there. <laughs> My number nine is The Hunt, starring mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, nice. This it was just such a powerful film, and it's rare that you have a movie with this kind of subject matter that does what this movie does, where uh, it's a man being accused of sexually abusing a young girl. And you know right off the bat that he didn't do it. So yeah. there's there's no, like, mystery aspect. Well, did he or didn't he? Like, that's not what the movie's about. It's about the, the stigma of the accusation and the reaction of the townspeople and what this does to him, you know, as a person. I mean, his entire life crumbles. And I thought that everything about this movie was just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't agree. seen it yet. But will soon. I think it's on Netflix, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, it's out. Yeah, it's out on DVD. Is it? Yeah, it's getting a a like brief rerun out here in LA for Ooh. the uh, for award season. So I wonder. I wonder if uh, I think that's on the short list for the best foreign language film for the Oscars, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, it is. I know it's nominated for uh, best foreign at the Golden Globes. So. Yeah, definitely check that out. Ernie, number eight. Number eight for me was Gravity. Um, I was going back and forth whether or not to put this in the top 10, mainly because, I mean, I like the movie a lot, and there are other movies I kind of like more, but in, for, in terms of technical achievement, there's just like nothing you've seen right. anything this year like it, um, especially if you've seen it in the way Quaron attended an IMAX 3D and have it in your face like that. But um, it, it's a technical marvel of a movie that is going to u- lose a lot when it finally comes to home video. Yeah. It's just not, it's not going to be the same movie at yep. all. 
unless you unless you can actually watch it in a 3D. But I don't even know if home 3D is even going to match what you saw in the theater. Especially not the IMAX. Yeah, I t- I can't wait to see it on my 28 inch TV. It's <laughs> awesome. It's like wow, those stars look so real. Oh wait, that's dust. <laughs> This yeah, Gravity was originally on my top ten, but it it got pushed down. It is one of my honorable mentions, though, just because it was amazing to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight was the Selfish Giant. Higher yeah, that, was, that was good. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and really, all of it comes from the strength of. Connor Chapman's performance as Arbor. I mean, that kid was mm. unbelievable. And for it being, you know, his first time ever on screen or acting, yep. yeah, holy shit. I mean, he's like a force of nature in this film. Yeah, we just talked about this recently on the show because we both just saw this, and this is higher on my list. My number eight is 12 Years a Slave. Ooh. Yeah, it, um, I, I don't know why it's so low on my list. <laughs> Uh, I had a really hard time. Racist. <laughs> I attribute it to Brad Pitt's performance as to why. Oh God, why that is sitting with, at number that eight. Is, dude, that is without a doubt one of the worst performances it was, I've seen. For, for, one of my my only qualm with Twelve Years was that the the three like main supporting cast Alfred Woodard, Paul Giamatti, and Brad Pitt. I. When they came on, all I saw were Alfred Woodard, right. Paul Giamatti, and Brad Pitt. Yeah, but but for me, it didn't take me out of the ruin the movie for me at all. But it was just like, yeah, just seeing them, I don't see their characters. But okay, whatever. And at the end, when Brad Pitt gives his little monologue or whatever you want to call it, I was just waiting for that star to come across the screen and be like, "The more you know." <laughs> Bing. But either way, still an amazing movie and definitely one of the best of the year. And it's I'm sure gonna win. 80,000 Oscars. So it'll probably win all of them. It's going to win a lot. I guarantee that. Yeah. Fastbender should definitely win because he was incredible. But I think, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, the girl. The, Lup- Lup- yeah. Lupita? She was she, great. Yeah. They, I, she was no great. one even came close to her. Yeah. Ernie, number seven. Number seven is a, another foreign film called uh, ID from India. Uh, basically, it's a solid uh, mystery drama thriller uh, about a uh, a woman who's got a busy life, who has a uh, a laborer come in to work on her apartment, and then something happens to the laborer, and then he gets taken to the hospital and dies. And because it's India, it's kind of the person who hired them's responsibility to deal with the situation. Hmm. <laughs> and so... There's so much that she goes through where basically as a viewer, you're wondering, it's like, what would I do in that situation? Would I really go this far? It's like, would I just like, just like here, just take the guy, forget it. Because she's going through a lot of stuff that puts her, that takes money out of her pocket, takes time away from her job, puts her in precarious situations just to find out who this guy is. And um, that's basically just how the whole movie unfolds as she, as she goes on her journey of discovering herself and learning responsibility and finding out who this guy is. And so it was like a really, really fascinating and uh, interesting. Hmm. That does sound very interesting. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's a wide release um, or even come out on DVD yet. And I know it's got a very brief run out here, but um, 
Oh, I'm sure I'll get the seat in small town Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably playing right now. You better, you better it's look. Probably on playing on three screens at the local you, AMC. You know what? I'm actually surprised. There's a theater in Hershey that seems to get a lot of uh, like Indian films. Hmm. It's very odd. That's interesting. Uh, Kevin, what's, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is the documentary Leviathan. Ah, okay. Because it's essentially right up my alley in the fact that it's extremely experimental cinema, but it's reality, which makes it even weirder in some way for me. Just the the visuals in this thing are just unbelievable. Yeah, I think it sucked in right from the start. This was on this was number two on my top ten docs of the year, and it was on your list yeah. too, or yeah, was yeah, it? it was on mine. I think it was like. Uh, in the bottom five, maybe yeah, six. I can't, can't I think. Yeah. I think and I think six, maybe. Well, for me, I think I saw like three documentaries this year, so <laughs> I obviously didn't get to make a top ten. So yeah, some of the, some of them snuck into my my top ten films of the year. Yeah, yeah. If I included documentaries in mine, my list would change substantially. <laughs> I included one. I think we can probably all guess what that is, but. Cutie in the Boxer. <laughs> Salinger. Oh, <laughs> uh, Salinger. We'll, we'll be coming back to that later. Uh, my number seven is Blue Jasmine. I already talked about that, so it's it's great. Check it out. Ernie, what's your number six? Uh, number six, I had to cheat. Um, Uh-oh. I had to. It's uh, Oryx Sadell's uh, Paradise uh, Trilogy. Seized all three, okay. Because it was oh, okay. basically he his original intention was to make one big ass movie. It was going to be a seven hour movie, but then that's how he wanted to put it out. But then he realized no one's going to sit for <laughs> a seven hour epic in the theater, so we decided to split it into three narratives that still come together cohesively and watch together. So well, see, I didn't know that, but I'm wondering if if what we saw as three separate movies, if there was anything done to alter them, to make them more standalone? Because they feel like three separate movies to me, even though that there are obviously links. Mm -hmm. It's like I had the benefit of actually um, one of the uh, repertoire theaters out here actually showed all three. Right when uh, the last one opened, Paradise Hope, they showed the other two to uh, get you ready for it. So I saw all three like in one weekend. Mm. And so it was like you could recognize media recognize the connections between the each film and their place and time because one leads to another. It's like oh, so that's so and so. That's this is where they're dropping off that person from right. the first one. And it's like oh, so that's actually what's going on. That's the person from the second one, and that's who was take that you saw in the first, but didn't know that was who that was. It's like oh, it's all making sense now. Yeah. But um, but it's just overall collectively as a look, the films are love, hope, and faith, and um. It's just a fascinating look at each facet in regards to these characters, and it was just. Uh, and I think you had Ryan look at love, love, and yeah. I didn't even have to listen to the podcast to know that he probably like what the fuck. <laughs> well, but, now, um, which which one of the three is your favorite? Uh, my favorite one was uh, Paradise Faith. Faith, okay. Uh, oh, wow. Basically, yeah, Paradise Faith. It looked at faith as um, basically as like fuel for your or uh, yourself and your beliefs and your love of others and how faith impacts your relationships with other people like your significant other or husband wife or something like that and how much faith can have an impact or be a detriment 
yeah to uh to that so it's like if it's just a fascinating look because it's like you're looking at it and it's like there's a lot of contradictions that go on with the characters like so he's like I've met a lot of people who are going through that. I've seen a lot of people jump phase. I've seen people who have abandoned faith completely, like myself. Mm. It's like, uh, like, hmm. My favorite is love. Kevin didn't like faith very much. No, faith faith was my least liked. I still haven't seen love yet. So Mm. you see that one. The hope was good, but just didn't have much of an impact. (laughs) Yeah. Hope got a bit repetitive. I I liked it, but I thought it was fine. Uh, Kevin, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Upstream Color. A little bit higher on my list. Oh. Yeah, so tell me exactly, what exactly was that movie? (laughs) This movie, uh, melted my brain. (laughs) Uh, I just, I love the visuals. I love the sound design in this film and the music that was, that, uh, Caruth created for it. And the fact that Shane Caruth does... Fucking everything. everything. <laughs> mm. Just I I appreciate that so much. You don't really see that anymore nowadays. And for him to be doing that while at the same time be making films that are just no one's making these types of films really. Yeah. Just how mm-hmm. ambiguous they are, how epic they are in the story storytelling sense. And he just tries to bring all these ideas together. I just I love it absolutely love it yep i loved it too yeah i I liked it a lot too but i still can't exactly tell you what the hell it was about (laughs) well it's funny because like that's a movie where 90 percent of the movie you're just completely confused and baffled as to what's going on but i I feel like it does come together at the end like i feel like because i remember when we left our screening in austin I felt like I knew what happened. Like I, I kind of had a grasp. Like Ryan was completely lost, but I remember thinking, like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I had, I had, wait, you know, when we saw it in Austin, we came out. I had, you know, sort of like a breakdown analysis of what I thought the film was, and then when it came out later on DVD and I rewatched it, my, like, my analysis completely changed. It was like something completely different. And I have a feeling that if I watched it again, like today, it would be completely different. Yeah. And I, I, for whatever reason, I love films that do that, where there's just multiple takeaways from it. And you can keep rewatching it and think different things. Sometimes I get frustrated with movies like that, but not, not in this case. I really love that movie. Mm. Uh, my number six was Francis Ha, directed by Noel Baumbach. Noel Baumbach. Yeah, that was one of the ones that were in my could-be top ten. I just found this movie to be so much fun and just so refreshing. And I love the black and white. I th- I'm I actually th- surprised. Like, reading a lot of reviews, people are like, oh, I hate the fact that it's in black and white. And I never understand <laughs> that. Why, like, why do people get upset about that? I think it looked great. I think probably it looks they, great too. Probably because they think it looks old, like it reminds them of old movies. I'm like, oh. well, well, that's what they always say. They're always like, I don't understand why it's in black and white. Why would you make that choice? Well, isn't, it's I like, mean, why not? What the, what the hell? I mean, to me, with Francis Ha, it's kind of a throwback, you know, to oh yeah, like, 60s French films. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I said. Is you know, it's his love letter to French New Wave. Either way, and it looks amazing. I, it looks amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. It was probably one of the most enjoyable movie experiences I had this year. So it just had to go on my list. Uh, Ernie, what's your number five? 
Number five for me would be Mud. Okay. It was. Uh, That's one of my honorable mentions. It was, uh, just basically, this it's like great acting, especially from the two lead boys. Um, and then there's McConaughey, who was just fantastic as Mud. And um, dis- I mean, even despite the the whole um, out of left field action uh, sequence at the end, <laughs> yeah, it's like that that didn't bother me overall. Uh, for the film but it just like it just that mud was one that came out early in the year Mm -hmm. and that was still stuck with me yeah yeah that was on my top 10 for quite a long time before just getting kind of nudged off but i liked it a lot uh kevin what's your number five oh my number five what is it uh my number five is 12 years a slave okay get that in number five uh my number five is the selfish giant which we already talked about really love that movie and Ernie, what's your number four? Number four, Short Term 12. Oh, see, this is one oh, I didn't get to um, see. I like how pretty much all of Ernie's top ten is movies that we haven't seen. <laughs> it's bumming me out. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to see Short Term 12. Film festivals, but... man. Film festivals. I know. I, didn't. I, had, uh, I missed two opportunities to see this. Yeah, yeah this, was, uh, this was at the LA Film Festival and ended up being my favorite film at the fest. Uh, mainly because it was just uh, the characters are so rich and the drama is so believable and, and it really resonates and the acting is just phenomenal in this one. Um, just watching it, it's like just looking at it, it's like these are teen, these are real flesh and blood teenagers that you're looking at and not like caricatures like out of like an American Pie movie or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, what's your number four? Oh, my number four is Lawrence Anyways. By Xavier Dolan. This film blew me away. I haven't seen that yet. This is, yeah. I mean, I, and I heard so much about Xavier Dolan. You know, I think he's only like 24, 25, something like that. He's already made like three films. And I, everyone's always talking about how unbelievable he is. And he's so amazing for how young he is. And I thought, hey, it's probably pretty good. But I wasn't expecting to be as blown away as I was with this film. And the acting is just phenomenal. Is that that's out like on home video, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have to check that out. Yeah, um, my number four is Upstream Color. So I already talked about that. Ernie, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Twelve Years a Slave. No, nope. oh, that's. Uh, huh? I think is that the first one that's on all our lists. I think so. Uh, I think, yeah, I yeah. Think so. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what's your number three? My number three is Spring Breakers. Okay, a little bit higher on my list. Mm. I I thought that this movie was just so fantastic. It's one of the movies. I, it's one of the few movies on my list that I could just go back and rewatch again and again and still enjoy it. The only thing that I like, I did go back and rewatch it again. The only thing that uh, sort of brought it down a little bit was the 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 three way sequence in the pool. It's oh, just yeah. like, oh god. <laughs> Give me a break. Uh, my number three is the act of killing, and this is the only documentary on my list. But it, it made it to number one on my best documentary list. I think it's your number one too, isn't it, Ernie? Yeah, yeah. And if uh, if I decided to include documentaries, it would have been my number one movie of the year. But I didn't. So yeah, it's just uh, this could be my number one movie of the year easily, just because there's. There's just nothing like this. I mean, it. anybody that sees this movie is going to be impacted mm-hmm. by it. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. And I actually just 
just yesterday uh, got the Blu-ray in the mail, and it's got the. <laughs> you gonna rewatch that thing? Well, it has the 166-minute oh. director's cut wow. on the Blu-ray. Oh, oh you gotta watch that. that. You gotta watch that. And I just. I don't know if I can bring myself to do it. So I've, I want you. I want you to keep a running tally of how many times you throw up in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that at the uh, at Alley Film Fest, and it felt like you're coming out of a funeral when it ended. It's like the movie ended, the credits rolled, and the lights came up. Nobody was talking. Nobody was saying anything. Everyone was just walking out of theater, dropping their ballots, and then going out into the night. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> just, just going like, home I, I just, just, I'm in a state of shock and depression right now. <laughs> well, now do, at the festival, did you see the theatrical cut or did they put? It was the uh, it was a theatrical cut. It wasn't like it wasn't two hours forty minutes. I can't remember how long it was, but it wasn't that long. I'm pretty sure that the one that we saw, Kevin, was also the theatrical cut because they sent us a screener yes. for it, and I'm pretty sure yeah. it wasn't that long. No, it wasn't that long. Yeah. All right, uh, Ernie, what's your number two? Number two is for me the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, you know, there's a lot of it's getting it's polarizing for sure. Either you're gonna love it, or you're gonna hate it, and I'm obviously one of the ones who loved it. I just ate this one up. It's like I was just laughing my ass off, like loving the audacity and and Scorsese going over the top. I mean, it's probably it's just a crazy flat out comedy. Assuming you're taking it as a comedy. Um. I just enjoyed the hell out of it. The character, the acting, the writing. I mean, Leo, for me, I think should get a nomination and if anything should even deserve to win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, based on like the hierarchy, I mean, like Chuelty Ejiofor deserves to win, but this is his first nomination and it's Hollywood, so you know he may not win. No. But Leo has been the kind of guy who's been giving one great performance after another and this one he is... The best. It is the like, best. All, he's all over the map, changing genres in a second. <laughs> Yep. You, you got slapstick comedy and then you got a deep depression and then all of a sudden he's like you're just he's freaking tripping out and then it's yeah i think and that, then it's over the top it's wow yeah i think that that was one thing we talked about when we reviewed this on the show now it was funny because i loved it and then kevin was the opposite he you didn't like it he didn't I like did it too like much it yeah, yeah kind of like uh I've I've been told that my 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 point of view is wrong because it's like I was thinking yeah it makes it does for stockbrokers what Goodfellas did for the mafia it's like but you're not supposed to want to become a stockbroker you're supposed to detest these people I'm like I know they're detestable I know I, I don't like them but I still find them pretty entertaining it's like mm. <laughs> I'm like does that make me wrong is that being a bad person no yeah I mean I don't want to be a stockbroker but I like I like uh, you know, Wall Street and I like uh, I like Margin Call and all, all these other movies that. Yeah, deal with that type of stuff. I even like that movie Boiler Room. Mm-hmm. Remember Boiler mm-hmm. Room? <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a great movie for me. All right, uh, Kevin, number two. My number two is Blanca Nieves. Okay. By uh, Pablo Berger. I, this was just probably the most fun that I had this year, film wise, entertainment wise. Just the the silent film retelling of Snow White. Just. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Absolutely loved it. And I think I remember when we talked about it before, to me this is this is Snow White from now on for me. Wow. This is this is what I see as the story. It was just it was unbelievable. Highly recommend it. Oh yeah, I definitely have to watch this. I still haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I think it's on Netflix streaming now. I think I think you are right. Yeah, yeah that was another one at the one of the I can't remember which fest that they were playing it and I missed it because I wasn't able to get to it. <laughs> mm. 
my number two is Before Midnight. Richard Linkletter's Before Midnight. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't even seen it yet, Kevin. I know. I know. I keep putting it off and putting it off. Uh, I have a strong aversion to Linkletter. Yeah, I know you do. And, and I mean, I'm not really strong. I'm not as big of a fan of his as I was when we were younger, when we both loved him. But I thought that this was the best one out of all three. And I, I just I loved it. I just loved every moment of it. And I think that that's the biggest problem for me, I think, is that I have to watch the second one before I watch the third one. And I think that that's what's really holding me back because I really don't want to watch the second one. Second one, hmm. but see that I liked. I, still, I liked all three of them, but yeah, I still think the second one's the best one. But um, uh, Midnight's the close second. So. All right, uh, number ones. Let's do it, Ernie. What's your number one? My number one is your number two. My number one's Before Midnight. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I was going. I was initially going with Wolf of Wall Street for number one, and then as I was making my list, and I saw Before Midnight, I was like thinking, it's like everything just flooded back to me. I was like, oh my god, I was like this. I I love this moment. This moment resonated with me. This moment is like that. That moment felt so real. I was like loving the performances and the dialogue. And I was like thinking, it's like, and it was just like it resonated with me on so many levels. And I just love the performances and the non-writing, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Because everything, again, it just keeps feeling improvised. It's just so and, crazy that it's, I mean, this is like 18 years in the making. You know, it's like the they they feel, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke feel, they feel like these characters. Like these characters mm-hmm. are so fully realized. Yeah, I mean, there's a, like a very, very heated argument, full-on fight towards the end where you literally, even though you know it's a movie, you want to get in there into that room and tell these guys, guys, guys take a break, take a breather. It's like... <laughs> It's like don't don't go there. It's like it's like it's like jeez, but um yeah, it was a just damn good movie. Yeah. I mean, you should check it out, Kev. Yeah, I know. I, I'm gonna have to do it if you, if if you're willing, and you do want to see Sunset before that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's the that's the thing. I gotta watch that one first. That was you're not looking, bad though. About three hours of your time collectively. So oh god, it's not gonna be that bad. Oh, that's the main reason I haven't watched Blue is the Warmest Color yet. Yeah, yeah. that that one you should definitely see, too. But well, that is one to be the other ones are two, so... Uh, Kevin, number one. Uh, Act of Killing. Act of Killing. Yeah. yeah. It is. Uh, I pretty much had to watch the ending of it on mute so oh, I wouldn't throw God. up. <laughs> and and oh. it's just the way that the way that everything plays out, you mm-hmm. know, the way that Oppenheimer does this is just brilliant i just i've never seen this before and it's so amazing i agree and it's one it's one of those types of films that's just instantaneously as soon as it came out it is like a definitive must see for anyone that watches movies at all ever for Mm -hmm. for the history of cinema yeah i think that this is i will say that i believe that this is one of the best documentaries ever made yeah i think you Mm -hmm. can definitely say that uh, yeah, my... I remember. I remember seeing it at the end, uh, without giving anything away to anybody who hasn't seen it, and they should. Um, was the emotional feeling I got? I got a bit teary eyed at the end, but it was like I had to. It took me a minute to figure out. I was like, am I being teary eyed because I'm feeling sorry for this guy, or am I getting teary eyed because of what is his realization and what he could have prevented? 
I think that I'm like, like, whoa, it's like, this is weird. Yeah. I think that it all comes down to that final scene. Like that final yeah. scene is what it just completely floored me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want yes. to give anything away, but it's, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, my number one is spring breakers. Hmm. Again, I, I love this movie. I gave it a 10 out of 10. And really, a lot of these, again, I will reiterate that a lot of these could be switched around. I mean, Active Killing, that could easily be number one before Midnight could be number one. Yeah. But I just had to go with Spring Breakers because it, it's one that I can rewatch and still have fun with and still enjoy. Mm. And I just... I loved every second of that one. Yeah, I, I loved how he set it up, uh, where it was like it was still exactly what you expected, thinking it was going to be going in, and then it just went in a completely different direction. That just was like totally fresh. It was like I had no idea where this movie was going. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some honorable mentions. Uh, so I guess we can just kind of do like a, a free form version of this. If there are any other movies that you guys wanted to mention that we haven't already talked about. Maybe now would be a good time. Um, I'll start off with Fruitvale Station. I think that that is one that I was really blown away by that. And it didn't didn't quite make it in the top 10, but I thought that it was still very uh, emotional movie. And although I feel like it was maybe a little bit too manipulative with its emotion, that didn't bother me. Like I was just into it the, the entire time. And great performances in that movie as well by Michael B. Jordan and Octavia Spencer. Yeah. I never got to see that one. I was trying to at the fest, but I couldn't get in and wasted time in line. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Kevin, did um, we lose you again? What's that? Oh, no. no, I'm sorry. No, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the ones that we already talked about were ones that could have been like, uh, Something on just on the outside, like uh, Selfish Giant, uh, Francis Ha, Luan Davis from Nebraska. Those were all ones that could have easily been the top ten for me. Prisoners, Spring yep. Breakers. Yeah, but, I, have, uh, I have Prisoners on my honorable mentions. Nebraska. Nebraska was so close to making it in the top ten. And uh, mm-hmm. same same with Blue is the Warmest Color. That that It's funny because when I first saw that movie, I wasn't that keen on it. Like, I liked it, but I wasn't really blown away by it. But the more that I sat with that movie, the more I came to like it. Mm. And for me, one that stands out was Spectacular Now. I thought was really good for a uh, teen. I use the term loosely, teen sex comedy. Because uh, the the teen the teenagers in the film aren't hung up on sex. Yeah. Uh, and the sex is handled naturally. Just they like, don't, yeah, that that was kind of the just, interesting thing about It's just played real. That. It just played for real. It was like, okay, you're having sex, big deal, move on. So it's it's not hung up on that. It's like, but they're but they really what they hung up on is just relationships with parents and and your place in society and like real world stuff that teenagers do actually think about that Hollywood never really addresses. You know? For some reason, I wasn't as big on that movie as everyone else was. Like I've I've seen that on quite a few top tens and. Mm-hmm. I just uh, it was it was okay, but I think we when we talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show, it's like basically like Perks of Being a Wallflower this year's version. Mm. This year's version, yeah. <laughs> it does seem to have one every year. Yeah, there's always For one reason. like coming of age drama, teenagers working through their shit. <laughs> Any other ones that you want to mention, Kevin? 
Uh, obviously, something like Francis Ha was outside of my top ten. Could have easily made it in there. And mostly because, like, you guys did the top ten uh, documentaries. I did a top ten indie film. So I sort of kept some of those out because they were already in another list. So Francis Ha is one that easily could have been in there. Another indie film that I've really, really grown on me throughout the years, Give Me the Loot. It was another well, one of the yeah, so best that, times that I had this year. That's a tough one because we covered that last year for the Spirit Awards. Yeah. And so, like, when I was working on with my stuff, I never really considered that because it was like, you know, was it last year? Was it this year? Because we saw it last year, but... Yeah, you know, made it complicated, but I do thoroughly enjoy that movie a lot. And I would also say um, a hijacking yep. written directed Definitely. by Tobias Lindholm, who wrote The Hunt. Which to me, I mean, a hijacking and The Hunt, I think, are like the two of the best well-written films that I saw this year. I mean, they're almost perfect in their screenplays. And another one that's a little sort of under the radar is uh, In the House that we talked about a couple weeks back, which is actually playing instant right now on Netflix. Yeah, that that one looks interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see that one. Uh, I'll quickly mention uh, Prisoners got really close to my list. Um, Kings of Summer, loved loved Kings mm-hmm. of Summer, but didn't it, it was on my top 10 for a long time, but it, it kind of, I cooled on it a little bit, and it, it just, just missed it. American Hustle, too. That was on my top 10 for a while, and that just got pushed off, barely. I really, really loved American Hustle. Another quick shout-out to Blue Caprice. That was definitely one that that flew under the radar for a lot of people, and I think that that was a really solid film about the DC snipers. Mm. Yeah, Um, I was surprised that didn't get more buzz. I think that's... It didn't didn't get much of a release. No, (laughs) No. it didn't. It's farther now. It didn't get a like it was to, yeah it was talked about for a good bit there and then it just sort of released with no fanfare. Mm. I think it did get nominated for a Spirit Award though for was it best first feature or something like that? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so it did get some recognition, but it, it was really good. Uh, Ernie, any other ones you want to mention? Uh, Drinking Buddies, I'll also mention. Yeah, Drinking Buddies was a fun one. Um, yeah. I guess other ones uh, would be uh, Side Effects was a uh, pretty solid thriller. Yeah, um, early, that, that was that was an early, early release. Early yeah. this year. Um, they uh, I can't remember which country made it, but Contiki was a uh, beautiful looking uh, retelling of the uh, sailing of the Contiki. Uh, just a gorgeous looking, uh, great to see in the theater. Uh, I think it's Netflix streaming now, but it probably won't have as much of an impact. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't that uh, I wasn't that keen on that movie, but yeah. it was okay. Uh, there's Fill the Void, which is a uh, drama that takes place in a the Hasidic Jew Society in New York, I believe. Yeah, that that was pretty good film. And, uh, I saw that. <clears throat> Kevin mentioned the hijacking, which I think is a better film than Captain Phillips. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, but uh, Captain Phillips is one of the uh, ones that could have been a top ten for me. Uh, and I guess uh, the other one would be uh, Miyazaki's The Wind Rises. Um, yeah, I want to see that. Is, is, uh, <laughs> is allegedly final film. So, 
That's a, that's one of those movies that's irritating me. Like every time I see someone's top ten and they have that within like the top three, I'm like, you really? Why can't I see it? I want to see the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see that. Well, I think that 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 wraps it up for the top tens. Really solid year. I mean, this year was a lot of great stuff came out, and I'm sure that there's there's a lot of great stuff that we're not even mentioning. Like like All Is Lost was really good as well. Um, I feel like there's probably some other Oscar buzzy type, yep. type there, movies. There's still a lot of movies that I missed that I'm sure could have easily been top ten or, or uh, top oh, twenty. Yeah. But um, but I'm like thinking it's like yeah, I can't include them if I see them now because then I'd be rewriting my list throughout the entire year. Yeah. So well, I'll tell you what, if if I end up seeing her like next week and I love it, it my list is getting, <laughs> my list is <laughs> getting amended. <laughs> You are going back and changing that list. I'm going to go back yeah. and re-edit this, this episode <laughs> and have me <laughs> just ADR me saying her. Yeah, my favorite movie of the year is her. <laughs> <laughs> my number one is sp- her. <laughs> <laughs> well, with every top ten, we have a bottom ten. Let's go over. Now, now, Kevin, I want to start with your, your bottom ten. <laughs> what's up because what's going on i just feel like your bottom 10 is it's like clearly you haven't seen that many bad movies this year no but even if i did i think that these would be placed higher because like a lot of the movies that you're watching i mean they're shit we all know that they're shit before we even go into it but these movies are actually like people put time and effort into them and money and there's actually like talent involved and they're terrible. Well, when I made my top, my bottom ten, okay, I I could have easily just put all the you know shitty horror movies that I've seen this year. I could easily have put all those on there, but I I didn't. I put I tried to mix it up because there were there were certain movies on my list that I f- they just flat out offended me in one way or another. <laughs> like they they were just offensively bad to me. And that's that's why I made my top tens. But let's why don't we just go down, Kevin? Why don't you just read off your entire list of top tens, and then we'll discuss and okay. move on. My entire so I'll, okay, I'll go ten to one here is uh, Only God Forgives, The Gangster Squad, which I forgot was even a film, uh, <laughs> The Conjuring, which was a terrible, terrible hmm. piece of shit. Uh, the great, yeah, the great, the great Gatsby, uh, Mama, uh, Spike Lee's Old Boy. The Hangover Part 3, Kid Thing, VHS 2, and Passion. Yeah, now, I would have... I should have added Passion to my bottom 10, because I really despised that movie, but for whatever reason, I forgot about that one. (laughs) Forgot about the existence of that one. I wish I could forget. I have not seen it nor heard now. I'm curious. It's like, wow, what is so bad about this movie? (laughs) Ernie, I think you might actually like Passion, just just because of how it's made like it's kind of designed to be a throwback to like a 90s erotic thriller i mean it's directed by brian de palma so oh not one redeemable aspect to be found in that movie it's very like i i honestly i dug and dug for like an hour of after watching this to try and come up with like you know at least one positive point for my review and i couldn't think of a single thing it even has like really bad saxophone music like in like in those movies (laughs) 
it's, it's bad. The Conjuring, I just I can't. I don't understand I just... what you people see in this <laughs> media. The mediocrity <laughs> displayed in this film is just unbelievable. It's so terrible. Well, I it's remember just the same shit that I've seen for like the last twenty years. But I remember you said that on the show when when you talked about it. But you were like, yeah, it was it was fine, but. It was it was it's, mediocre. Yeah, it's, you, you yeah were, it's one of those. It's one of those that you know how sometimes you sit on a movie and it, it sticks with you, and you you grow to enjoy it more. Well, I that happens the opposite way with me too as well. Like when I first saw it, I was like, ah, yeah, it wasn't that bad. But like the more I think about it, the the mediocrity really gets to me and really bothers me that it's like they didn't even do anything in this film. It's just like oh, a couple jump scares, a chair flips upside down during the. I mean, that's it. That's all you got? Yeah, well, I know Adam and I have seen our fair share of horror movies, and he's, he's probably more of, still a fan of the genre than I am. I kind of got disenfranchised with the horror genre. And it's like I usually avoid horror movies because I know they're just going to be shit. But Conjuring, for me, or for the amount of crap that I've had, I've sat through over the years, I'm like, this is actually, a in comparison to all the other horror films I've seen of, this, of the, uh, the ghost ilk, it was actually probably the best one. I mean, I knew it was done by James Wan, who did Insidious, which I was not a fan of at all. And he's done the Saw movies, and of which only a handful of them were actually decent. So, um, yeah. Conjuring for me it was a surprise. So. I genuinely liked The Conjuring. It didn't make it on my top ten horrors. Like that, I should note that it wasn't. I didn't love it, but I did think it was a solid movie. I didn't see enough horror movies this year to make a top ten. <laughs> Uh, or I should oh, say, I not not enough horror movies, but I didn't see enough good horror movies to make a top ten. Well, here, yeah, here here's the thing about that. I wasn't gonna make a list. I, I usually make a top ten horror movie list every year, and this year I wasn't gonna make a list because there just wasn't really that. You know, there was nothing okay. that good that came out. But there were a couple like low budget indie horrors that I did want to get out there and and mention because a couple of them like resolution and the battery i thought were genuinely good and mm. you know I, I wanted to plug those same uh vhs too i'll also i i thoroughly liked that mm. movie mm. and i know you you absolutely hated that from the oh beginning my god that is just <laughs> i don't get it i just i don't get it and maybe i'm missing something here i don't know, I don't know what it is i don't know I tell you to rewatch it, but I know you won't. No, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, Ernie, why don't you why don't you give us your your bottom ten? All right, bottom ten going from ten to one. Uh, Mama, that's that's two lists. Yes. GI <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Joe Retaliation. Ugh. Uh, the Lone <laughs> Ra- <laughs> The Lone Ranger. Um, hours. Sorry, Mr. Walker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Tower, uh, Korea's Towering Inferno. It was like laughable. Uh, Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem. Uh, 33 postcards. Oh, jeez. Uh, that looks really that was, bad. That, that, I, just, that was... I just remember getting a slew of emails, just like nonstop for 33 postcards, asking us to cover that. Did we? And I just want to. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I re- it was one of my early reviews. I reviewed it because it actually played out here, and I went to see it. I'm like, oh, it's got Guy Pearce. Should be good. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I mean, I felt bad because my my reaction to it was the girl that was in the movie was so naive and annoying that she totally, because of her innocence, she just totally 
fucks up so many lives that I just wanted to slap the shit out of her, tell her to get the fuck out of the country and don't come back. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that, that, I really hated her. <laughs> uh, third, yeah, that's 33 postcards. Uh, After Earth, uh, mm-hmm. Scary Movie 5, and a sequel to one of my most favorite action horror franchise at action horror action franchises a good day to die hard <laughs> i haven't seen there was a couple of those that i haven't seen like i didn't see die hard i didn't see scary movie i didn't see uh what was the other one uh, oh lone ranger didn't see lone ranger mm. so uh, i know the tower <laughs> i think that might have been the first review you did for us yeah that, that was so Started out. Yeah, started out with a bad one. <laughs> started out with a bad review. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> I'll just set you up for what was to come. Me sending yeah. you nothing but horrible movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, my my bottom ten, number ten hours again. <laughs> just terrible. Just terrible in every way. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. That was bad. Uh, the lifeguard. <laughs> With Kristen oh, Bell, geez. that was. I forgot oh. that you watched that. Yeah, that was really bad. Rapture Palooza. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot that that existed as a movie. That was really bad. Uh, CBGB, offensively bad. Salinger, offensively bad. Mm. Pawn Shop Chronicles. Mm. <laughs> that was another Paul Walker, actually. Was it? Yeah, he oh. he was in it. It was. That's like one of those kind of ensemble Tarantino ripoff movies, and he he played a small role in it. That's directed by Wayne Kramer, the guy that did um, Running Scared, that other Paul Walker movie. Absence, which was the worst found footage movie I've seen all year. Now I saw, or no, second worst. Sorry, <laughs> I saw a lot of found footage. I always see a lot yeah, of found footage. You, yeah, I don't I understand. You, I, thought, I thought you would be sick of found footage. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. I am sick of it, but they keep sending it to us, so I keep you, you watching. Gotta, you gotta, you gotta start telling people now. Yeah, it's. <sighs> I, w- I wonder if it's ever gonna stop because I remember when I when I it saw Paranormal, uh, they to. had two two trailers for found footage movies at the beginning, and because you, you can start hearing groans from everyone, oh, not another one. It's it's gonna. St- I would say this is probably gonna be the last year for it because. Mm-hmm. It's imploding. They're getting yeah. worse. They're getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, but man, Absence yeah. is really bad. Very similar to Blair Witch, just with the aliens, and it's horrible. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. payoff at the it's like an hour of nothing, and then a twist at the end that's supposed to make the previous seventy minutes worth it. But <laughs> it's awful. I think gina reviewed that for the site and she gave it like a one or something she <laughs> she really hated it too uh number three i have the canyons mm. oh. oh crap you know what i forgot i saw that <laughs> well yeah you you and i reviewed it <laughs> yeah. on the show that would be in my top 10 <laughs> my top 10 worst <laughs> it's so bad like, i just i don't understand how I, anybody can do you know this landed on some top 10s like best be- of the year best of? yeah Really? I saw I saw it on a few top tens. And... I wonder if it's on Cathars again. Because you remember the one the one year um, they had their favorite film of the year was four forty four Last Day on Earth. Oh yeah, I remember and we were that. like freaking out and yeah. couldn't understand. I don't know, but 
I find nothing redeemable about the canyons. Every aspect of it is terrible. Uh, number two, the upper footage. This is this is one I don't think a lot of people have seen because it didn't get a theatrical release. It got an online release. Ooh. I think it did play in New York, actually. Like, there were a couple shows in New York, and it was a failed experiment, and it was just dreadful. Probably one of the worst movie experiences I've had in quite a long time. This, this looks like the worst thing ever. I wanted to turn it off so many times. I just I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And number one, movie 43. Yeah. See, I don't... I don't even understand why people went and saw this. Well, because it has why, a shitload why, of people. Why would? Why don't let them trick you, Adam? <laughs> I thought to my. I look at the cast, and it's got like fifty celebrities. It's got, I think, three Academy Award winners are in this. And I thought to myself, ah, well, it's an anthology, so you know, a couple of them will probably be funny. No, it is awful. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> Well, let's talk about 2014, because with with every new year, there's there's promise of some great movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, not, not not as good as 2015 will be, but we'll get to that at I oh guess, yeah. episode 200. So. <laughs> yeah, 2015 is going to be enormous. That's got Ridiculous. like Star Wars, and there's Adventures. so much. There's a new Jurassic Park, I think, coming yeah, out in 2015. Man of Steel. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Anyway, 2014, what are you guys looking forward to? I'll just, I'll open up the floor here. I would imagine everyone's looking forward to Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. Is that safe assumption? Number two. That's pretty much, if I had like a top 10, number one through five is that film. (laughs) And then number six through 10 is Inherent Vice by P.T. Anderson. Yeah. Those Those are my two. Those are the two that I'm just dying to see. You know, it's funny. Like just just the other day, Kevin, you and I were talking about uh, how there's there's certain directors that no matter what they do, we'll see it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And P.T. Anderson is that for me. But we were also talking about how there's some movies that directors will will come out with that that don't interest us, but we'll still go see it anyway and end up mm-hmm. loving it. And that's how the the grand master or um, the master was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, it looks okay. I'll go see it because it's Paul Thomas Anderson. But mm-hmm. you know, of course, I loved it, and I think that that the same goes for his next film as well. I just did the idea of P.T. Anderson doing, you know, adapting a pension book. Just mm-hmm. it's it's so unbelievably interesting to me. I'm so curious to see this and see if it works. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited for that. Grand Budapest Hotels, I'd probably put up number two on my list. It has every person ever in it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Looks incredible. Every actor. Huge cast. Yeah. Now, are you, Ernie, are you a Wes Anderson fan? Yes, I am. Okay. And uh, I absolutely love Moonrise Kingdom. And uh, I think that might have been in my top 10 last year or something. But, uh,. I kind I know they just released a new trailer for Grand Budapest, but I'm like, it's only it's coming out in March, so I think I'll avoid watching the trailers. Yeah, I so. I can't help that. I have to, I have to watch any new trailers <laughs> for that to come out. I yeah. also love the fact that it's co-written by the guy that did all the paintings that were in Eli Cash's house mm-hmm. and Royal Tenenbaums. You know, the guys mm-hmm. with the mask on their little <laughs> ATVs. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's co-written by that guy that painted mm-hmm. those. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. 
Uh, Interstellar. You guys excited for that? Christopher Nolan? Yeah, it's Christopher Nolan. And it's about wormholes. Are you serious? Yeah. When uh, I saw the trailer, I kind of was like, this is cool. But then the first images, I was like, I was thinking astronaut farmer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, is this like a redo of astronaut farmer? I'm like, he's on a farm. There's like, he's going off, taking off in a rocket. I'm like, (laughs) that'd be awesome if it was. It's a a reboot. (laughs) So. Um, uh, I my number one most anticipated is the raid two. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, yes. Yeah, I'm assuming you guys are yeah. excited for that. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty excited for that. I'm very yeah. particular when it comes to action films, and mm-hmm. luckily for me, Gareth Evans makes like exactly what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has he has a handle on the action movie that I don't think many directors have, at least nowadays. And I would argue mm-hmm. that he's he's going to be. I mean, if the raid two is anywhere close to the first one, I mean, he mm. could be one of the greatest a- action movie directors yeah. alive. Well, the trailer for the raid two, Barondal, yeah, looks amazing. It's yeah. definitely getting wider in scope. So, let's yeah, see what happens? And there's going to be three of them too, which is exciting. Oh yeah, cool trilogy. <laughs> that's cool. like that's number one on my must see at Sundance. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, like, I yeah. absolutely have to see that. Uh, any other ones that you guys are excited for? Ernie, I would assume that you're excited for some of the Marvel yeah. stuff. I am, but uh, Guardians mm-hmm. of Galaxy would be the one that stands out for me the most. Because um, that was when I heard that Phase 2 was going to include Guardians, and I kept getting hung up on uh, Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> uh, or, or Rocky Raccoon, was there? I think it, I think it's Rocket, isn't it? Rocket, yeah. But, yeah. And I was like getting hung up on that, I'm like... Um, okay, it took me a minute to swallow Thor being a god and being in this universe. What? Like a talking raccoon? <laughs> so... Isn't the other guy I, like a giant tree? Too? A giant tree, yeah. <laughs> a giant you, tree and a talking raccoon. What the and fuck are you guys talking about? I can't wait. <laughs> Guard, Guardians of the Galaxy is like a, another Marvel Universe thing where there are like five char- five people brought together who go around like trying to protect keep things in balance in certain parts of the universe or something to that effect isn't it so, it's sort of like the lantern core in kind of kind of like the lantern core but not but not green lanterns so yeah kind of like that but um oh. but in here they got a talking raccoon and a tree so. isn't is the isn't the raccoon voiced by bradley cooper i, I think so and the, the yes. tree is vin diesel yeah, the yes. tree uh, Vin Diesel Groot, I think is his yeah, name or something. Yeah, Groot. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so I, like how sure I how pronounce that so specifically. wasn't sure how that was going to go over until I saw the footage at Comic-Con this year. And the the tone that uh, James Gunn set up, the tone and the look and everything just totally set up. I was like, okay, I can buy into this. This actually could be pretty funny and entertaining. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's this, being billed as a comedy. And basically I was going to say, it sounds hilarious. Yeah, that's just the, the moment I'm looking for the most is when they all come together in whatever Avengers it may be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just want to see that moment where Tony Stark meets Rocket the Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> and wh- what what is Robert Downey going to say when he's like, I'm talking to a raccoon. I'm like, did, <laughs> I just want to see that moment. <laughs> did you see the, uh, they released like a, a press still for that. Did you see that where you... You can see yeah, that was Rickey. actually a still of like the last frame from the footage they showed oh, okay. comic, but um, they good. actually yeah they showed the, there was an act like a two minute scene where they showed them in action, 
And you're like, yeah, this looks cool. Like, like okay, the raccoon works. It's like, okay, group, fine. So, um... I'm into it. I think I keep hearing. I keep, also, I keep hearing this raccoon. Yeah, it's there's a, a raccoon in it. He's a raccoon. It's, that's just a raccoon. He's a talking. He's a talking raccoon. raccoon. He wears a little. He wears like a little. Who shoots? Suit. Who shoots guns? Wait, <laughs> does he have like any powers besides being a raccoon that can talk and shoot guns? Not that I don't I'm aware know. Maybe, of. maybe he just has a really good attitude, a really bad attitude, or something. Does he fly, or does he just like walk around? No, he walks I, around on his I, hind I, legs. I, I would imagine that it would take him forever to get to places, though. Yeah. Like, how um, does he help? I think he rides the tree. Probably. <laughs> he oh, probably flies. I'm, I'm excited. For, I'm curious. I'll, I'll say I'm curious for it because I think that yeah. out of all of the Marvel stuff, this has to be the biggest gamble. Because mm-hmm. I mean, James Gunn. This is the biggest movie he's ever done. Yeah. You you look back at his previous stuff. You know, he started at Trauma, I think, mm-hmm. and moved on to do Slither, which I still love. Yeah, but it was the last one he did, Super. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that at all. So, wow. I don't know. It's gonna be. That sounds very interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I I am excited to see it though. And I, mean, I know uh, Thor two kind of teased it, but it kind of didn't a hundred percent work because it looked cheesy. It did look. It looked weird. Yeah, it did look kind of weird. But oh. he's the villain, or I don't know I, what I don't, he is. Actually, I don't know how that how that's gonna play out. Because I thought, yeah. well, whatever. I don't want to spoil anything about the end of Thor. Yeah, I think outside of Guardians, I guess my. Ray 2 is just my obvious number one, but the other one I've been waiting for is Sin City. Yeah. I'm so cautiously optimistic about that one. Yeah, I don't think... Because Machete 2 was... That was on my bottom 10 for... (laughs) I had to move that one off, but... Mm -hmm. I I feel like Robert Rodriguez is just... He lost his spark. Well, I figure Frank Miller's still 100% involved, so I'm sure he'd be able to keep him in check. Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah. it's gonna. I, mean, I, lo- I love the fir- I love the first one, and um, I'm curious to see what they do with the new one, especially with since they had to recast a couple parts, and then uh, due to I guess maybe it's the Sin City curse that a couple people have died. So <laughs> wait, who d- who died other than Brittany Murphy? Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh yeah, Michael Clark Duncan was in yeah, there. Yeah, he forgot. was replaced by Dennis Haysbert. So. I don't even know who that is. He All was State. the uh, oh. Allstate oh, okay. and uh, That's uh, president. All uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in good hands with uh, with the 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 Golden Eye guy. Yeah, I know who that is. But he he was in 24. Uh, yeah. President. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I yeah, just I guess don't the. Know. The other big one is uh, Von Trier's Nymphomaniac. Oh yeah, that's definitely yeah. on my list. That was. Uh, I, I'm kind of wondering if I, I, I really want to see it, but do I skip the two-parter or just hold out for the uncut one, which is supposed to come out later? I'm gonna see yeah. it because it's coming out on VOD first, right? So it'll be out on video on demand in March, and then it'll be, and then the second part will be out a month later. So. Mm. Yeah, I think the the complete one is actually uh, premiering at Con, or think, maybe the Berlin Film Fest or something. I think, I think some... Berlin, maybe. I think it's Berlin. Either way, yeah. I'm I'm very. Kevin, you seem a little apprehensive. 
Like for what? Nymphomania? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really. You're not a uh, Von Trier fan? <laughs> I am. I'm a big Von Trier fan. I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of these sexual addiction movies or whatever the hell they are. I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's fucking irritating. Might want to hold off on watching Blue is the Warmest Color for a little bit. It's not about sexual addiction, but there's a lot of graphic sex in it. Well, I pretty much did the 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 female equivalent this week watching Chantal Ackerman's film. They, they, towards the end of it, it's just 10 minutes, just full-on lesbian sex scene. Oh, okay, so you're prepared then. Prepared. <laughs> you're prepared. I'm sure it was done a lot differently compared to Blue is the Warmest Color. Ernie, did you see Blue is the Warmest Color? Nope, I've not seen it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's some pretty intense... Pretty intense sex going on in that movie. Intense. Mm. Just like the thing that's holding me back is the three-hour runtime. I'm like, I got to be in the right mindset for a three-hour foreign film. <laughs> yeah, it, it is long, but it doesn't it doesn't feel long. But any other movies you guys are looking forward to? I have out? one which I didn't really even didn't really know too much about, but uh, pretty excited because of, and you, you might be too because of the movie Bullhead. The director, yeah. Michael Roscombe, has a new one out based on a screenplay by Dennis Lehane, starring Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini, Numi Rapace, and Matthias Schoenarts. Yeah. About a lost pit bull, wannabe scam artist, and a killing. Hmm. So I'm I'm pretty interested in that. Yeah, it sounds I, good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Bullhead. Yeah, I thought that was that was awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see his, his follow-up. It's called Animal Rescue. I actually saw uh, Bullhead three times, so twice at AFI, and then I saw it again because they had a uh, Q and A with uh, with the director and cast. Except scheduling conflict, we only got the director. But well, still, I I really liked Bullhead. I, I don't can't remember if that was like on my top ten or not. Might have been. Uh, yeah. How to Train Your well, Dragon two? I'm pretty excited for that. You guys? Yeah, me, yeah, me too. I mean, I had no idea I was going to love the first one as much as I did. Same here. It was like a huge surprise how much I loved the first one. And then uh, that teaser, the first teaser for the second one, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see this. It was just him flying with Toothless mm-hmm. and yeah. him flying himself. I'm like, that was awesome. Um, some other... Godzilla. Still, Godzilla. I'm still very excited to see Under the Skin. Yeah, which I don't know if that did that yeah. come out this year. I'm sure I, it, it did for like certain people, but not it, for us. I th- <laughs> don't think it's come out yet. No, it played festivals. It played at TIFF, okay. and I don't know if it played anything else. But I don't think it I just like. Yeah. I love the look and the atmosphere of that film. Yeah, I can't just wait. To judging see that. from the trailer, mm-hmm. I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited for that. Only lovers left alive, I believe, comes out Ooh, this year. Yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, Fincher's got a Gone Girl with uh, uh, yeah, Affleck. Yep, Gone Girl. Very excited for that. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I'm actually yep. excited for that too. I uh, was, was surprised. Did you see the first one? No. Who? Who is? Which one is this? It's one. With, uh, this well, is the, the first one had James Franco in it. Yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was the first one. Okay. Oh no 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 no! I didn't see that one. I I really like the first one. It's a. It's actually. It's. They say it's a prequel, but it's not a prequel to the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. It's a prequel to the original Planet of the Apes. Okay. The, okay. Yeah. It has Charles nothing Festival. to do with that Burton one. So, um, and it actually comes together quite nicely because they have references to the first one. It's like, oh yeah, this is not a sequel to the Mark Wahlberg movie, or prequel. So, well, the the teaser for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is out, and I I got really excited for it. Looks, yeah, uh, looks that was. 
the same footage, mostly the same footage they showed at Comic Con. So I don't think there was anything different. No Franco in the sequel. So mm. that's that's a plus for a lot of people too. He's he's too busy with his thirty four films that he directed. <laughs> he's got to put. He's got to push out. Yeah. Um, Godzilla, I guess. Is Godzilla. One. I'm, I'm really actually curious to see how that turns out. Pretty excited for that. I mean, um, I've, I mean, there's like so much they have not shown yet that for two Comic Cons in a row that the Comic Con footage has actually never leaked. <laughs> I'm amazed, but there's like only s- snippets that you see in the new trailer that they actually showed this year, and it was like, but the footage that goes with the actual full scene that they showed is like jaw dropping. You're like. I was like, I can't wait to see the full movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited to see that. Um, Transcendence, are you guys excited for mm-hmm. that at all? The directorial debut by Wally Pfister? Uh, more of a curiosity than like a, a want to see. I mean, when I saw the trailer, I was thinking like various stuff like Lawnmower Man and Virtuosity <laughs> yeah. came to mind. I'm like, or Ghost in the Machine. That makes me <laughs> like, want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like... Uh, I don't. It's like my, my hey, roommate I, uh, is actually in that movie. <laughs> oh, really? If you see the trailer, when the uh, it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but when Johnny Depp's character gets shot, <laughs> he's like one of the guys to Johnny Depp's immediate right who like pulls away. Ah, <laughs> like oh, there's my roommate. <laughs> huh, that's funny. Uh, and, uh, Kevin, I have, a, I have a I have a slight interest in that one, just to just to see what it looks like. Yeah, you know. Mm. I want to see uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. It has the potential of being bad, thanks to uh, their track record now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or it could actually be a, a resurgence and actually be pretty funny. <laughs> so, I think it's make it or break it for the Fairley Brothers yeah. with that one. But I think it's really... Oh, I, thought, I thought they already broke it. Didn't they already break it? Like, yeah. when, yeah. when was the last time they made a good film? I forgot uh, that they were living. Honestly. I can't remember. I think me, myself, and Irene was the last one. That I think had that's the last. Sometimes. Yeah, I think that's probably. Or Shallow How? Did Shallow How come out after me, myself? Uh, and yeah, I? that was two thousand one. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that one. <laughs> I thought that uh, was fine. I mean, it was a, it, it's offensive. But a, a movie like that wouldn't come out nowadays. But yeah, because the first one was all about Jim Carrey, but now because Jeff Daniels is such a established dramatic actor now, with his. TV shows and movies. Now he actually he came back for the sequels. So I'm like curious and is like okay. Well, as long as there's a diarrhea scene, I'm I'm fine with it. Another <laughs> <laughs> it's like ooh deja vu. Uh, anybody? Deja vu. <laughs> anybody excited for the Amazing Spider-Man two? No, God no. <laughs> Knock it off. I I'll see it, but like other franchises too many villains spoil the pot oh yeah because i'm like there's what four villains in here i mean like i'm like didn't these guys see spider-man 3 and how terrible that was <laughs> i had like three villains or something yeah and i should have just focused on one and this one's got four villains i know they want to set up the uh, sinister six but like what's the hurry take your time it's like <laughs> yeah well mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not excited about it i'll i'll see it obviously but I, just... I saw I saw the trailer for it in 3D. I think it was on The Hobbit. And I got to say that I'm surprised no one's addressing this concern, but the visual effects look so bad. Really? <laughs> so CGI, so blatantly CGI. It's like it's like thinking of, like, if you remember uh, episode one, you thought the, the visual effects were so amazing. And then you see it now on Blu-ray and 1080p. They're like, 
Yeah, oh, that looks doesn't horrible. look as good anymore. <laughs> That's what these effects look like. Spider Man, like God, the CG Spider Man, like flying through through the air. You're like, that looks so fake. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the only other one that uh, that comes to mind that I'm that I'm pretty excited for is the new X Men movie. I'm, mm, I'm actually yeah. very curious to see that, see how it plays out, combining like you know the original yeah. ones and then the new the new series and yeah. Brian Singer back directing. I I mm-hmm. think it I think it looks pretty good actually. But all right, any other ones that you guys want to mention? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot coming out, but nothing comes to mind. Okay. Is it Mockingjay this year or is that next year? Uh, I think part one comes out this year. Yeah, I think that's this year. Yeah, Mark, Mockingjay guess, part yeah, one. Yeah, I guess looking for a Mockingjay would be one. Yeah. I'll see uh, I'll see there and back again, but I'll, I'm like in no hurry. <laughs> yeah, no, not not for me. Not, not for me. Uh, well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam, and we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Ryan, huh? Yeah, sorry. Son of a bitch. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was hoping you didn't hear it. Hear me, hear me do the flub.